2014 will go down as the warmest year around the globe in recorded history. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. The rate is a great concern. And what do you put that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act, but I say the will to act is itself a renewable resource. You're joining us out in Box Hill in this lovely little warehouse in this industrial area, and this is the headquarters of Crema Joe. Crema Joe is a, I've heard it described as a social enterprise, you can correct me if that's wrong straight off the bat. It is a, a startup. And it's a hardware startup, you know, to appeal to all the tech heads out there as well, to make it a bit more fancy. So, Kayla, Crema Joe is yours. And what's your relation to the company in official title? So I'd say, yeah, co-founder. Um, so my, my husband and I founded the business in 2014. 2014. So we're going on on half a decade. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's coming along. Um, yeah, I guess time has flown. We did have a, a our first child within... I guess, yeah, two years into the business. Actually, it would have been one year in. Time is flying. Um, yeah, so it's all a bit of a blur. But, um, yeah, so we've been around for, for yeah, a while now. And um, I think we're feeling like, yeah, we've really solidified ourselves as um, one of the leaders in sustainable the sustainable capsule market. So, so we're going to get into what the sustainable capsule market means and, and what the company does here. But on a kind of a lighthearted note, when when Sean introduced me to you and, and told me about Crema Joe, I, I asked him in return, I said, Sean, what's how do you describe this business, Crema Joe, from your understanding of it in one sentence? And he sent me back this this poetry of Crema Joe is a pragmatic cog in the wheel of revolution toward a circular economy. Now, does that sound remotely like the company? It sounds like you should send me that, and I'm <laughs> going to use that on our website. <laughs> I guess we're really trying to make that impact and help consumers to really rethink their consumption when it comes to capsule coffee. Yeah, so let's go dive into that. So we haven't actually said the word coffee until now, but if you're from Melbourne, you know what crema is. If you're not from Melbourne, like me, you might not have ever heard the word before. So um, Crema Joe is a is a coffee company at heart? Yeah, I suppose so. My husband's Italian. Coffee runs in his veins. <laughs> For him, coffee was part of growing up, going to Nana's house, putting the but putting the mocha pot on. So um, we actually use a mocha pot at home. So stovetop, Bialetti, definitely runs in his veins. So we are... Coffee addicted, that's for sure. As I may have mentioned, we've got a toddler, so we drink a lot of it, and we're really lucky to be working with coffee. Like, yeah, thank goodness. So, do you have a problem of um, sort of of drinking your own, like drinking the supply, like being this close to the source? Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We drink a lot. Yeah, we definitely drink too much. It's it's free flowing here, and there's a lot of product testing that needs to be done. So. Always sampling, always trying our new machines. There's always a reason to drink more coffee. Um, but we did recently launch decaf, so <laughs> I'm trying. At the moment, I'm working on switching out that last coffee of the day for a decaf. You're down to one caffeinated coffee of the day. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm down. Oh, the last to- coffee yes. in the day is to be decaf. <laughs> gotcha. I'm probably down to three or four caffeinated coffees a day. And as someone yeah. from Seattle, I, I respect it. Okay, That's a great. very solid tally. <laughs> yeah. 
you're the coffee expert. I'm I'm a failed Seattleite because I I drink coffee, but I'll drink instant without batting an eyelid. You know, coffee's coffee. Coffee is caffeine to me. Can you think of any other big coffee cities that are sort of known for that reputation outside of Seattle and Melbourne? Probably, I mean, the whole country of Italy. Well, yeah. Italy, Melbourne, you hear that term, coffee capital, all the time. Actually, a lot of people would usually expect that I'd be fussy with my coffee, but I have been known to drink instant in times of desperation. I can totally uh, edit that, that out if you regret well, saying it. Well, look, I had a newborn <laughs> and a new business, so... Yeah, you know, desperate times, death, desperate measures. <laughs> you got through, which yeah. is good. And there may have been instant involved in a yeah. couple of instances. We'll just keep that between us and... Yes. Uh, you mean whoever else is listening. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. All good. And you're entitled. <laughs> well, speaking of, of you and me being here, we're, we're not alone in the room. And just to quickly describe this this lovely place we're in, as we walked in, you said, you're yeah, welcome to our, our humble warehouse. And I, you know, very honestly, this is the nicest warehouse space. It's a combination office headquarters and yes like i think the wall over here this far wall just covered in racking and did beautiful packaging your products i think uh if it's not already i didn't see the image on your website but i think that kind of is the store and just like click on the thing you want like that is such a nice presentation even in your warehouse um but we're not alone you me and the rack of of products uh we've got a couple new members of climactic here kind of Tagging along, we got Chrissy and Nicole, and they're they're waiting in the wings to take over my interview spot, and I can't wait for that to happen. That's going to be great. And we are here with one of your employees. Yes, yeah, so your team. Yep. Sorry, uh, my crew, there you my go. ladies, my mamas. Um, this is Belinda. So um, Belinda runs our wholesale department, and Belinda's been with us for probably nearly a, nearly a year. year I think. Yep. Yeah, Belinda is part of the furniture now. <sighs> I don't know what I'd do don't without it. On me. <laughs> <laughs> when we, you know, as we walked up, we did see into the windows, and, and you were sitting, you know, next to each other at this long desk. So I can attribute that, yeah, Kayla was not sitting on Belinda at the time <laughs> we were here. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for later in the week. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could just quote something here that I found really interesting from the Crema Joe website, kind of, of, of why you exist as a company. You've, you've laid it out really beautifully here, why you exist, and I'd love to maybe end the story of, of how it happened and, and how you found this clarity of purpose. But it just summed up so beautifully that there's this problem, and it's the problem is that it's estimated that more than 6 million coffee capsules are used across Australia each day, which is truly staggering. Uh, I, those machines have been very popular, and you just think that's one capsule for every six Australians, or actually less than that, of every five, every four and a bit Australians. Um, and the majority of those capsules are ending up in landfill. The ethically-minded team behind Crema Joe were eager to find an alternative so that we could continue enjoying our daily cuppa without the guilt. Wanting to spread the word and help others reduce the environmental impact of their coffee pod machines, Crema Joe was launched, a coffee-centric online store with a conscience. So that's a great purpose for a company and i'm just curious how you came across that purpose in particular why coffee and why coffee capsules i uh, yes yeah, so i guess we drink a lot of coffee so it's it's definitely a thing so we admittedly had our own coffee capsule machine so we'd been doing a little research just as that information sort of started to come out about the waste around coffee capsule machines and we realized that 
oh, wait a minute, this is convenient but not ideal. Um, so we were looking into alternatives for ourselves and found that there wasn't really a lot of great options at the time. You know, there are there are biodegradable options around what we learnt was a lot of those capsules aren't actually um, backyard compostable. So what people don't know, well, for a lot of these brands is that these capsules need to go to specific facilities to break down properly. So that's when we looked into reusable and thought this is this is kind of ideal rather than throwing our coffee pot machine in the bin, let's look at a reusable option and it, and it really just took off from there. That makes complete sense. I'm, I'm wondering what the light bulb moment though was for you of, of wanting to change how things were currently happening in your house of buying the coffee capsules, using them, obviously kind of being happy enough with the coffee, definitely liking the convenience. Why was that mounting sort of background issue of landfill volumes? What kind of woke you up to that? I guess just seeing how quickly the the stacks of coffee capsules really added up. When you do the calculations and look at, okay, if I have two coffees a day, that's a lot of capsules in one year. Like it, it really adds up quite quickly. I guess it was just looking at that sheer volume of, of capsules. Um, and at the time we were um, expecting our, our child and it was having conversations about the future and starting to think about, wow, that's actually really important that we leave this world you know, in a good state for the for the future generations. So, um, yeah, I think parenthood really kicked it off as well. So interesting timing to decide to turn this, you know, a concern. But then, yeah, rather than do the, a pretty wasteful thing of throwing away the machine, which which people have done, thinking they're doing the right thing, but not thinking it through, looking at the embodied energy in that machine. But instead of sort of making uh, just a personal change, you decided to try to kind of scratch your own itch, do something more sustainable, and have it be available to others as well. What, what got you in mind to, to do it as a business? I, I think we, both my husband and I, have always been quite business-minded um, and starting a family as well. It felt like good timing to start something of our own. and um, You were already going to be halfway to a family business. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so my background is actually advertising. It's a very different industry and it's nice to be doing something now that's really contributing to such a positive difference and a positive impact it feels a little bit like the polar opposite of what I was doing before. It, it feels good to um, have an impact on a, a wider scale. Was there an element of that kind of, uh, it's uh, a familiar saying to a lot of the people listening, it's come up in previous interviews as well, the, the corporate refugee kind of mentality of working at a, a previous kind of business as usual job where you, you might be happy with the people, you might be happy with the job you're doing, you might be happy with what you get paid, but you're not happy with the overall kind of context and outcome of the job you're doing, the industry it's in, the overall societal impact. Was there kind of an element of like, I kind of want to go away from this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the advertising industry is it's not a very family-friendly place to work. And I guess there's a lot of stress and pressure working in that industry um, what you're doing is treated like it's so crucial, like these these deadlines and stress and and really you know, what is the outcome? You're not saving lives, you're not you're you're selling essentially. So there's sort of not a lot of meaning behind you know what you're doing. In an industry without a lot of real stakes, there isn't lives on the line. There is a lot of that imposed structure and unfriendliness to the flexibility you'd need as as a new mother. 
and you know with a new family looking back on it now the company's been going for five years is there kind of like a bit of a sigh of relief of like oh man i'm glad i'm not still in that industry or mixed bag uh, it's very mixed feelings <laughs> i so it, it's funny i i think back now and think oh, i'm gonna um you know originally i was like oh i'll start up this thing and it'll be great and we're gonna make a difference and it's gonna be so flexible and amazing and it's just totally all-encompassing um it's yeah there there have been some very tough days very tough weeks there's sort of ne never a moment to spare it's whenever I have a spare second I'm like okay how many emails can I cram into this moment and it's been tough yeah like work work life balance has been really tough but I guess for me I, if I occasionally I just need to step back and look at what we're doing look at the, the changes that we're helping to make look at the impact on a wider scale and um, it's yeah it's hard but it's totally worth it. Mm. Very good. Um, well, I'll circle back and touch on this again later as we talk a bit more about the business side. But I'll just say quickly that you know I I was um, my my father was self employed and that example that you said of of that work ethic uh, meant a lot to me then kind of subconsciously and explicitly now looking at it, how I'm going to you know set a precedent for for my you know children who don't exist yet but yeah my cat. You know, that's a good example. So you just to you quickly touch on that. And thank you for, for being sort of candid about that as well. Because I know that Prima Joe's had a, a bit of publicity. You could easily be seen from the outside as just, oh, look at this mom who has it all. She's mm -hmm. got this sustainable business. And oh, it's it's this great, it's doing this great thing. And it's, it's such a great slick look to it because yeah. you, you, you have skills in advertising. But actually opening up about the fact that it has been hard. And it's not it's not an easy road to, yeah. to travel. Yeah, totally. Well, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, no worries. So of course, Kayla, you you know, it's been five years, you've you've built up something substantial, but you haven't had to do it all alone, which has been great. And we've got Belinda here from your team who runs the wholesale side and and I, I get to put my business degree hat back on here. So I really appreciate this chance to talk about a business rather than just a grassroots group or an environmental group. And not just that, but to bring in that business element again. So how has the company kind of developed and when did you join and what was that? Was that a kind of a critical juncture in the business? So I joined about a year ago and I was only their second employee. So I think they ran it for about three years, just the, just Piers and Kayla. And then they hired a, a friend of theirs called Erin, um, who used to, she's now left to have a baby. She just had a baby a couple of weeks ago. There's something in the water uh, around here, Belinda. Watch out. I've I'm drinking the tea. I, I won't be having any more. I have enough. <laughs> um, I've seen the business grow quite rapidly since I joined last year. I started off just a few hours a week and now I'm um, part-time, so three days a week here and the, the business is definitely moving along at a rapid rate, which is, is it's really good. It's, it's healthy for business too um, and a lot of it's down to the vision that Kayla and Piers have. Um, Kayla is really the one who manages the most of the business. Piers, Piers works outside of the business as well. It's wonderful having a, a girl boss. Uh, she's a, she's an amazing, uh, manager boss lady to have. 
and she runs a great team. Uh, yeah, she runs a tight ship, but it's really good. Uh, this year we've employed two more team members, one of them to replace our lovely Erin who left to have a baby, but we've also got another team member who's just joined. And so it's an all-girl team pretty much and it's lovely. You know, we come to work, we've got kids or um on their way to and it, there's a there's a certain level of understanding of what it's like to be a parent mm-hmm. and work because uh, that's not an easy gig either. <laughs> and there's sadly plenty of offices without that understanding and the empathy, as oh, you said, definitely. that don't yeah. understand what Yeah, that and that's something else that Kayla has really wanted to provide, uh, a space where mums returning to work after having um, their children have got a flexible work arrangement which is safe and healthy um, and it's really important. You know, she understands, oh, my kid just fell over coming out the door, I'll be an half an hour late, you know, or whatever happens. As kids are known to do. Yeah, so that, yeah, that wasn't so, just me. No, no. Like, no. There's other <laughs> special right. kids yeah, out there. No, there are yeah. special ones, yes. <laughs> We're all special. Oh, there's been a brown incident. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't coffee. It wasn't coffee, no. <laughs> or chocolate. Yeah, or chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely that level of understanding. We don't need to feel as stressed out. Um, you know, my kids go to school, so I've got to leave at a certain time um, so be able to pick them up and it's just a really um, healthy environment and I think she's they've done a great job with that and the other thing that I guess is is really um, apparent working here is that aspect of the social enterprise what the the company vision is and and what they're trying to achieve obviously they want a healthy successful business but at the same time not just cashing in on that on that greenwashing or that that you know green credentials sort of thing that is that is out there is about educating the public I guess in a little way of that there are options you know you can still um, choose something that might be a convenient situation but then you choose a, a more environmentally friendly option with your coffee capsules and then also the aspect of that you know they strive to be as, as zero waste or as low waste as we can um, there's some things we can't avoid but there's um, you know we we recycle we accept recycle packaging and we ask people to donate donate stuff like the packaging peanuts and um, yesterday uh, someone on my local secondhand page said that they had got um, you know a whole lot of boxes and other bits and pieces so I went around to their house and picked them all up and so we're trying to sort of create this circular economy I don't know yeah of of packaging materials um, and of course these are all things that you need to use in the course of doing mail outs of customer orders you're finding ways to kind of fit that into your packing schedule and, and because yeah. that's kind of done in-house here you've got that flexibility you don't have to tell your supplier look I, I want you to do this better I, I don't care how you do it or or I'm going to be unreasonable about it because you have to do these kind of odd hours kind of like flexible kind of oh, someone's got something for me I've got to go pick it up now because they yeah. don't have space to store it at their house and I either yep. go pick it up this afternoon or it's going out with the bins tomorrow So it's the kind of thing you can do in-house. Since you joined Belinda, you said there's been quite a bit of growth in the business. Does it kind of feel like there's a a bit of a friction between the growth you're seeing in the company and also that that flexibility and the conscious, compassionate nature of the small team being able to... Because it's sort of... A lot of the sustainability things we do are running counter to 
the systems at place yeah. in society. So we've got this natural tension, unfortunately, between yeah. doing the right thing and doing the easy thing. I would say that in general, the answer is no, that the growth has been managed very well. Uh, I guess probably the biggest thing is a stretch on the business's resources more than anything. So that's probably where the friction point is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't play out within the team. We all do some hours from home as well, mm -hmm. which is really good. That's important because yeah, like, yeah. if there's no incentive other than just feeling good, I mean, like, you could just be having a bad day and you work at a sustainable company and you're a sustainably minded person. And if you're not willing to go to that, that effort all the time, or, or if you're not, you know, if there's no incentive, unfortunately, like there'll be times that you're just not able to do it. And those little actions can really start to snowball. Like that person then who, who's been picking up all this reusable stuff might get burned by you not being able to pick it up. They're not going to do it again. They're going to tell their friends not to. The, the word of mouth, especially in a business like this, must be really important and that social capital that you're, you're building up over the last five years. Yeah, definitely. Kayla's recently launched a recycling scheme in a way and, mm. and sort of made it a bit more public that this is what we do with, you know, we, we use um, recycled packaging for your products, um, you know, when it's sent. The actual product itself is in, is in a nice little neat um, packet, which we're always working on to make more sustainable and less waste. Um, but, you know, the courier bags and the boxes, the postage um, elements and the packing elements um, is what we get people to donate. That's good. That's really, really good. And with the um, refining the packaging design over time, we're, we're lucky enough to have two you know, university students here, postgrad students in the room with us. And I'm kind of curious if that's the kind of thing that, you know, like any enterprising industrial design packaging sort of minded students like the the power of sort of new ideas to to come and look at something with a fresh pair of eyes like it can seem very opaque and difficult to get to speak to some of the larger businesses out there and kind of it can seem very closed off if some industrious student who's listening to this wants to be like i i might have some ideas about how to make packaging more reduce the the amount you're using and make it easier to recycle they should get in touch potentially yeah we're up for anything really. Mm. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's good to get um, those, you know, someone externally to, to look over things at times. There's things that we might've been doing for a long time and we've sort of gotten a bit complacent with it. So it can't hurt to have someone say, um, oh, I've noticed you're doing this. You could switch it up for this and then, you know, reduce your waste by that much more or, or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Where did the social enterprise aspect enter into the business? Was it there from the start or did that enter later on? Yeah, I guess they, they went hand in hand. I mean, we'd, we'd always talked about starting up our own thing and, ha and having our own thing um, that was meant to be very flexible when we had a family. Um, but I, the, the dream yes, versus reality yes. there, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's really great that we've been able to do something in that vein that's also doing social good at the same time. So, yeah, we've been really, really lucky, I think, to get into this space. If I can butt in here, what I can see... Um, it's actually something that's at the backbone of everything that they've done with setting up this business. And Which again, it, fresh eyes, yeah. you can set it up and not really realize it, yeah, it looks like that. That's the outside. right. But I think it's something that's really important to them. So, so for them, they've wanted to set up a solid and genuine business. That's not something that's just tapping into capitalism and, and, you know, especially taking on such a, for want of a better word, like consumeristic product, the disposable coffee pods industry. Um, they wanted to be, I guess, in a way, anti 
that and anti that that single use and put something back into the planet and create that a bit of a circular thing and I see that it's very important to them to to know that they're doing good as well as creating a healthy business mm-hmm. much better said <laughs> thank you fresh pair of eyes yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what i was trying to say yeah. <laughs> great well, that's why i hired him yeah. <laughs> earning every dollar today this is great um verbal copy editor <laughs> <laughs> speech writer um, she finishes my sentence <laughs> So with, with me as your sort of humble interviewer today, and especially the show that this is going on to, Climactic, is very much about these very interesting, exciting, uh, worrying times we live in, kind of right on the cusp of, of climate change really starting to to pinch and us sort of feeling those effects of, of the world as we've changed it. A lot of people kind of, when they're addressing climate change, are starting to think about it. They're wanting to start doing something about it. They get up to the point of waste and they kind of start to focus there. And there's a lot of, of really, really smart, really engaged, really nice people I know who have done this. And I, and I totally understand why. I'm, I'm probably, because I you know, grew up thinking about sci-fi and the future so much, I'm kind of like, you know, waste, yeah, it's a problem. But I worry a lot more about uh, catastrophic crop failures and all the dark, dark stuff. But I can see why waste is so interesting, because it's tangible. You can look at it in your own home. You think two capsules a day going in the bin times 365 days a year, it's obviously a problem. And you can actually get your hands around it and start doing something. But I'm just curious, why did you, Kayla, get so interested on on waste reduction especially? We just saw a gap in the market. I mean, it's it's such a, a simple thing for households to switch out, switch to a reusable capsule, and there just wasn't anything available. Um, so it felt like a really simple, well... It felt like something that we could start that could make some potentially big changes in regards to capsule waste. But yeah, I'm definitely there with you. I mean, I I get a little bit stressed thinking about what the future holds. My dad's actually a marine biologist, so we've sort of grown up talking a lot about conservation and that sort of thing. I sort of stop myself thinking about it too much because it does like it. Um, it is kind of you know stressful and can be a bit depressing. But this is something that we are able to do. So this is a change that we can help people make. Luckily, I can sort of direct people sort of who want to engage on that, the marine science and uh, conservation and plastic pollution angle. I can direct them back to episodes with uh, Heidi Taylor, founder of Tongaroa Blue, and Dr. Jen Labors, a seabird researcher doing work out on the Marshall Islands and out middle, you know, the, the specks of rock in the Pacific Islands where they're finding, you know, plastic in birds out there, of course, because plastic's everywhere. But, um, it's good to be able to stick with you know the tangibles of what we can do in our homes, in our kitchens. And I'm interested there in kind of getting into a bit of the details of, of what has been hard about the business. Because it's good to appreciate how difficult the thing you've chosen to do actually is, which from the outside you might not think about. The biggest problem, right, in, in this whole thing is just that it's the amount of capsule machines and the amount of capsules out there. Because like, I imagine you must have this product matrix of just hundreds of sizes and... Yeah, it's it's getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> we started with what was most popular. We started with the most popular coffee machines. We came on board at a time where I guess these machines were really popular and nearly every 
felt like nearly every second person had one. Like they're kind of fun, kind of a novelty, and obviously very convenient. George Clooney's a spokesperson. I mean, like, how can you not love it? I know. So everyone's mum, auntie, you know, they went there, and I gay best I, friend in my case. Yeah, well, it's fine. yeah, exactly. And I can see why he's he's charming. <laughs> um, yeah, our our first product was an espresso compatible capsule, and from there, um, we branched out and had a, a couple of different lines. Both still targeted at Nespresso, which is still the most popular machine. I think um, one of the biggest challenges with the business and and with customers switching to reusables is that they have come from an uber convenient product that is so easy to use. All they need to do is pick up the pod, put it in the machine, press the button, and they've got a coffee, which essentially is as easy as coffee is to make anyway. But they've gotten used to a certain system, and the system with using reusables is slightly more involved. So you you do need to take that little bit extra time. It's not much time. But for people then to get their head around it, that seems to be a bit of a, a friction point for for a lot of customers. We try to guide customers to which product that may suit them the best and also to inform them it may not be as easy as your super convenience, but you're now making a choice towards sustainability mm-hmm. rather than convenience. There's so many directions to go with that. And I could talk to you about sort of how to take customers through that journey and why in some ways it's a lot better to get them to start using the super convenient thing that's a little bit better for sustainability because even a little bit better matters a lot in aggregate. It matters a lot even in one kitchen over the course of a year. There's also the interesting aspect of your products that ideally once the consumer is once the customer has bought your products once, once they've got a set of capsules they can keep reusing, they should in theory kind of be done as a customer. This is not like you sell them a printer and then you're going to be selling them ink forever. This is a lot more a, you know, you're selling them some quality flatware or your, you know, iron skillet that's going to be passed down for generations. There is a whole conversation we could have about churn and getting new customers all the time. And I'd love to do all that. But I think if our listeners on Climactic kind of take the idea of talking to businesses about tangibly how do we not just say business should be greener? How do we make business work in a greener way, which which brings in all those elements? One thing I'd love to know is you started the business as a startup with this kind of triple bottom line thinking, kind of from the start with it being a social enterprise. How hard was that? I've always lived quite minimally, so it's quite natural for me um, to, to, to think that way and to think about um yeah for I guess from the bottom up like how can we be doing things better like how you know whatever we're doing I want to make sure it's the right thing to do moving forward so I for most of the things we've done we've sort of just gotten off on the ground floor and and just started that way my husband tends to be the one who wants to like spend money on the big ideas and things but um I prefer to take it pretty slow make sure it's working um I'm all about the details so you know, we, we started with a single line of products. The first thing we did was develop more sustainable packaging for them. A, a local printer who's a green printer, so it's all the FSC certified stock, um, vegetable-based inks. So, yeah, I guess it's just it's just natural for me to look at all those aspects in with pretty fine detail. That can slow other processes down <laughs> and that 
yeah, I mean, can be tough on the business, but, you know, it's just so important. I mean, I think talking about or selling a sustainable product isn't enough. I mean, if if the business selling a sustainable product is not truly sustainable, then what's the point? It's, yeah, since the, the war on waste really kicked things off and this whole, I guess you could call it a sustainability trend, which is, again, like not, not a bad thing, since this sort of, yeah, sustainability trend has come about, we're seeing a lot of uh, businesses or business-minded people sort of jumping on, on and as you said, capitalising on this thing and, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of products coming in from overseas marketplaces. Trying to educate consumers on looking into the origins of their, the product they're buying, the, the business behind the product they're buying. Um, does that business care about supply chain? Um, you know, sustainable design is important. How are their, the workers producing that product treated are they they paid well how much plastic is involved in importing that product it's just so important for us you know from start to finish that we maintain this ethos and um I guess we would hope that other sustainable businesses would be doing that but we we always like to remind consumers that it's important to look at that as well when buying a product that's that's meant to be helping you reduce your everyday waste so I feel kind of silly getting up to this point without actually asking the question are are you involved or are you commissioning or you're not you're not manufacturing products yourselves are you importing for most of our products we're the Australian distributor mm-hmm. and then for some of our products we've worked with a manufacturer to help develop them like our, yeah, our seal pod for example um, we just worked with the manufacturer to develop the um, Aldi cafe version um, and it's seal pod that we get the packaging printed locally as well and then we're currently working on a couple of new products that we will be manufacturing in Australia. Um, That's really exciting. Yes well it's a bit under wraps. Logistically a nightmare I'm sure. Well (laughs) yes and no yes and no Um, yeah it's really exciting. But I'll uh, I'll have to send you some details. Yeah no no don't tell me anything I I don't I feel like everyone's going to be very excited about it. I'm really looking forward to um, announcing it. Okay, now we have to do a follow-up episode, you know, when that's announced and we can talk about that because domestic Australian manufacturing is going to be very exciting. Well, yeah. I'm, kind of, I'm bursting at the seams to tell you about <laughs> Yeah, I get I'm the sense already. That was, that was more in. than you were meant to tell me. <laughs> Through this chat, I've kind of realized that the road you've taken has been hard in a lot of ways. It's been a, a, a tough five years. You haven't had a lot of time away from the business it's your home and work life have been smushed together like you said but the lessons you are teaching your child will have full integrity and value and they'll stand up to the test of time when they do reach their teenage years and they start thinking like is what mom said and what mom did the same and it'll be a lot more in your case than than sadly in a lot of others yeah thank you uh, we luckily we've got some interviewers in the Climactic Collective who are parents. I'm definitely like just remembering stuff from my childhood, but uh, I'll have to have you back on to talk sort of nuts and bolts of business. Maybe get you and your your husband, your partner on to talk about sort of the, the how how to run a business like this and how all yeah. that works, and yeah, and sure. maybe on the the parenting side as well. But it's been 
So great to get to talk to you, Kayla. Yeah, Thanks you so too. Much for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks. And Belinda, you've been a fantastic as well. Thanks for having me as well, Mark. <laughs> and thank you for having like a full house kind of, you know, there's five of us in the room in your, your warehouse and it's been a absolutely lovely. And thanks again. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Climactic, the flagship podcast of the Climactic Collective, a podcast network dedicated to lifting the voices of the climate community. You can find out more about the people behind Climactic and all the shows we produce at climactic.fm. We are a social enterprise podcast network, and we greatly appreciate your support. You can find a link to our Pausable where you can support us directly in the show notes of this episode or from our website. Thank you for listening, and from the whole Climactic Collective, keep up the great work and take care of each other in these climactic times. The Climactic Collective. Collective.